Hey Benji. What's up, Jay? I saw this um, viral video that was going on around right after Pesach about, you know, and it's a very sensitive topic, so I want to treat it sensitively, but a lady was having a hard time on uh, one of these Pesach programs. Yeah. It didn't work out the way she wanted. Something was not the way it was meant to be, and she just, she lost it, to put it uh, subtly, nicely. And really, you know, what that made me think about is just how should how can we react in that moment right i mean that was a very hard moment for that woman but um what can we think now like when we are in a situation where it doesn't play out as we expected how can you just how can you just hold yourself and i thought that that's something that i can bring to you no i think things are really hard and and the realities that we encounter often don't match up to the realities that we've been expecting or you put so much effort into something and you put so much um, mind, body and soul into what you want to be doing. And then when that, for reasons that are not connected to what you've done, it's completely outside of your control. Something happens. It's a really great question. And uh, it speaks to something in the book that we were you know, just talking about before about the, the miniot that we encounter in our spiritual and in our physical lives, the obstacles that, that we sort of encounter, which often um, seem to sidetrack us. And uh, it's definitely something we need to focus on. Well, great. Well, we'll get started on that right after this when we come back with an episode of Mindful Work. What happens when a CEO, a shrink, and a rabbi start talking about mindfulness at work? Just about anything. Thank you for joining us at Mindful Work. You can learn more about this podcast at www.mindfulwork.show. And now, Mindful Work presents the author and clinical psychologist, Rabbi Dr. Benji Epstein, tea industry executive and award-winning educator, Rabbi Jason Rosen, and your host, Dan Cohen, CEO and founder of Full Court Press Communications. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the next episode of the podcast called Mindful Work. I'm here, as always, with our trusted leader, Dr. Rabbi Benjamin Epstein, Woo! now the published author of you, Living you, in the Presence, a Jewish mindfulness guide for everyday life from Orem Publications, available everywhere books are sold, including Amazon. If you're not sure where to find the link, you can find the link on our website, www.mindfulwork.show. Also with us today is my friend, my tea and coffee Rebbe, and a star of Israel's high-tech scene, recently promoted mm-hmm. in his job. So mm-hmm. welcoming Rabbi Jason Epstein to our show. Thank it you, Jason. Rabbi Jason Epstein. What did I say? I don't know. Jason Rosen to our show. Excuse me. <laughs> I always love Benji. Now we make it official. Now we make it official. Excellent. And there was my name. Time. My name... Uh, Dropping names is uh, Dan Cohen. I'm the founder of, Full, no, founder of Full Core Press Communications, a uh, communications firm based in Oakland. Um, what I am doing as we speak is a tradition across the world now is I have a copy of Benji's book in my mouth. Ah, I'm literally writing the book. I am biting the book, which if you have a, uh, access to Twitter or Instagram, you'll see all of us writing the book. <laughs> 
So if you've bought the book, make sure you send a picture, email us, tweet us at, at MindfulWorkPod. We'd love to see you and promise that we'll repost it. So what we wanted to talk about today was uh, what we call chapter six in the book, although I have no idea if it's chapter six or not. You made it that starts, up. I made that up. I spent like a good 15 minutes on chapter <laughs> yeah. six. Anyway, it's page it's, 125. It's page 125 in the book called Many Obstacles. And um, one of the biggest challenges we all face at work is um, we can have all the mindfulness we want. We can spend all our time focusing on our spiritual growth. And yet... Sometimes when we get to the office, we, we lose it. Um, not that we lose it like we, we go crazy. We just we're, – we're not as mindful. We're not as in the moment because there's all these other challenges and forces. And frankly, all these people with whom we may not have the same intimate relationships we have at home and in our daily lives. So I wanted to just read the line from uh, page 126 about what is – what are Miniote and, and what, what Rabbi Dr. Benji Epstein says is that Miniote are the hindrances imagined and real – physical and spiritual that seem to stand in the way of our getting to where we want our journey to take us. These are impediments that make the possibility of mindfulness seem nearly impossible. So thinking back to the woman in the video, but also thinking back to work, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just a little bit of background, Rabbi Dr. Benjamin, I've seen about how we should be thinking about hindrances or miniote when it comes to our daily life and even when it comes to our work. I think that when we um, when we look at our miniot and we look at them as something as like personal failings, like we've done something wrong, and we start to put not that there's something wrong, but now that there's something wrong with me, and then it takes a whole entire spin. And in the book, I discuss and, and you pointed it out, Dan, before that what if these miniot were not just roadblocks, which we spend so much mental, psychic physical energy trying to avoid what if they were these devices to facilitate our personal growth and development because once we look at it with that perspective then we're not in this antagonistic relationship with ourselves and with our minds and with our feelings and we're actually able to take these whatever these mini and however they play out and they play out in everyone's lives you know even if we look at somebody's facebook or instagram feed and everything seems to be copacetic and beautiful you know, we're having we're having our meltdowns. We're having we're yelling at our kids. We're having frustrations at work. The, pro, the you know the progress isn't going as fast as we wanted to. The book isn't selling as much as we wanted to, right? And all these miniote, it is. It's going well, but the miniote are are real, and our job isn't to control them. Mm-hmm. Our job is to control our responses to them. So one of the things you often talk about, Rabbi Dr. Benjamin Epstein and Jason, is the idea that sometimes we just need to not deal with the hindrance. But we just need to look at it. And I wonder, Jason, could you talk just a little bit about um, something we've spoken about in the past, uh, Dr. Sarno, who, who, who takes this idea of just <clears throat> looking at the hindrance as a path towards maybe not resolving it, but being mindful about it. Well, yeah, in his book, Healing Back Pain. Um, one of his ideas, and again, this is not my area of expertise. I'm just you know, quoting from the book, is that if you have an area of pain, Right. Our general tendency is just to ignore it, like move past it, push through. But his whole idea of mind and body connection is that just focus on the pain itself, focus on that point of pain. And when you focus on that point of pain and where it might be coming from and what it might be related to, it can help just ease it. Right. And that, that is a lot of what we're talking about here is that we we tend to when we have an obstacle, just avoid confrontation move just wait till it passes um and his idea which i think ties into everything we were talking about is focus on it i'm just going to add on to that there's the wait till it passes or avoid it 
or there's the judgment and blame that we put on ourselves. Like, look what we did to ourselves. Like, we do it to ourselves. And that's why it really hurts. Tara Brock, uh, a real uh, profound mindfulness teacher, contemporary, talks about the two wings of mindfulness, which is seeing, you know, really clearly seeing. And then that loving kindness piece, which I think in our tradition, you know, when we approach a mitzvah, we say to do it with bidichilu uh, urechimu. With, with love, with, 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 excuse me, with awe and with love. And awe isn't just like trepidation. If you're awe, is, yura is, is from the root word, resh, ay, aleph, hey, of seeing. It's like you were talking about seeing really clearly. First to see really clearly what's really true right now. And then to add that ava piece, to add that compassionate piece right to it. And then we can really transform that suffering, transform the miniot. Rabbi Nachman says the miniot are the same letters as ni'imot, which becomes sweet. Mm. Right, and then and then you know talk about yisurin. Somehow, somehow yisurin are are, are are afflictions, and those are things that are supposed to somehow embolden us, and somehow are supposed to be sweet. We're supposed to sweeten the judgments. Um, this is exactly the point. Um, Rav Soloveitchik, Rav Joseph B. Soloveitchik made. Um, I just want to bring out just a, a a short quote in in his Chumash, where it's collection of different things that he wrote where he's talking about sacrifices and nowadays we don't have sacrifices and he says like this what compromises a korban today a sacrifice now that the temple the beta mikdash is in ruins a korban nowadays consists exclusively of yisurin suffering now just pausing a second like when we talk about suffering we're imagining pain disaster and he has a very, I think, novel approach to what suffering is, which is, I think, very applicable to what we're talking about. And I'm just going to, if you, you know, just allow me to read this. It's, what does Yisurin mean? Yisurin are not necessarily defined as physical pain or disaster. The Torah has never wished to invite disaster or inflict physical pain upon us. Yisurin, right, suffering, is when one feels defeated in the constant struggle of life. Whenever man feels that he has lost the battle, this constitutes atonement. And just one more thing. Man works towards a certain goal. He, he sacrifices time and utilizes his skills and talents, but finally becomes disenchanted. His efforts do not result in the realization of his goals. Whenever there is a discrepancy, and this is the key line, between ambition and realization, between aspiration and reality, between expectation and fact, man experiences defeat. Right? So it's that suffering that we're talking about, like um, what you thought it was going to be. And what actually happens that we are feeling that pain, right? And that sacrifice. So I, I think the question for us now is how do we how do we deal with suffering? I may not have told you guys this, but I have a and if I did, and if I've already talked about it on a podcast, I apologize. I have a post-it note on my a picture of a post-it note on my wall in my office, and it was in a coffee shop near my office in Oakland. Um, and you know how sometimes they have quotes like you know love your neighbor and then hashtag Gandhi or whatever. <laughs> this one said. I ruin everything. And it, the quote was expectation. Right? So was, and every time I see that, it's just such a great reminder that we have this vision. We have this idea about what we want things to be and whether it's a Pesach experience or whether it's, you know, a, a project at work. Um, sometimes the expectations are... Um, uh, sometimes. Oh, by the way, you can silence your phones now if you'd like. No, but that's um, just it. Yeah. That's a great example of... Yeah. You want to have absolute silence when we're recording. And guess what? You could you could have thrown the mic. <laughs> you could just be like, this is BS. I'm out of here. Right. Life happens. Life happens. Yeah. Uh, so two things that that brings to mind. One is uh, the great country music uh, star, Rav Thomas Rhett, has a song called Life Changes. And he has this great line about how he, uh, hey, mom, guess what? Hey, mom and dad, we've adopted a baby. 
pause from Uganda, right? And all of a sudden, like this Southern guy is talking about adopting a baby from Uganda and then about how that doesn't work out and then how now they have twins, right? But, you know, expectation really is, I think, a huge, it's the flip side of, uh, of, these, of these hindrances because these expectations set things up and then the hindrances get in the way. I think the, um, the, the piece in your book, Benji, that, that, I, that really spoke to me that was on fire is sort of in, uh, in the middle page 127 where you just have this line that just says, what if these hindrances are not merely roadblocks but devices to facilitate personal growth and development? So all of a sudden, like if you're imagining a hurdler you know, in, a, in a track and field race, right? What if you just – what if those, those obstacles were there and you just sort of laid them flat? What if it was a totally different way of thinking about that obstacle? Instead, it was a way to, 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 to develop yourself in a, in a personal way, to look at the hardest thing and say, what am I going to do about it? With our clients, and, and, and I'll stop after this, one of the things we always ask them is, especially when they're in a, in a hard place or they're in, 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 in trouble, we'll ask them, what is the question that you pray you don't get asked? Right. So if you're if you have a a TV interview, put a camera in front of your face or if one of your employees comes in and says, you know, and and confronts you with an issue, what's the question you hope you don't get asked? And and with relation to the Rav, what this says to me is if you tackle that big thing, everything else is doable. If you think about if you think about that, that brutal question you're afraid to ask, that's what forces you to turn these roadblocks into opportunities. Because once you solve that hard question, why did you fire that guy? Why would you put a product on the market that wasn't 100% safe for children? Once you can answer that question, then everything else you can handle. Or even if you can't answer that question, meaning if you're able to sit with that question, sometimes you don't have the answer right away. But if you become so overwhelmed by the prospect of being asked the question, you won't be able to move forward, which is at the end of the chapter, the Talmud, the Yerushalmi, uh, Jerusalemite Talmud says, when you get asked the question, where is your God? What are you supposed to answer? And you're supposed to answer that question, which is what you're saying. You need to ask yourself those tough questions. Those questions, you don't even need to ask yourself. Those questions are going to come up in your life. And those questions hound us from the, when we're teens. You know, you look at the issues that we're working on and as, as parents now and as, as, as workers in the field now. And once we say that, we just have to ask the questions yeah. and be comfortable with the questions and say yes. It's, it's, it's a practice that maybe we'll talk about of, of learning how to just say yes to things as opposed to we're, we're naturally sort of wired to just say, no, I don't want to talk about that now. Let's talk about, you know, if you want to ask, I mean, this is a brotherhood here, you know, four words to get us to go like, can we talk? Can we talk? That was three words. Yeah. Can we talk? Oh, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Right? Yeah. Because just to talk about it and just to really, we don't necessarily have to find all the answers, but I think it really ties into what Jay was saying in terms of how we look at these Yisur and how we look at these Miniot, how we look at our expectations. And when we're seeing really clearly what's happening versus what we've sort of superimposed onto the situation, we can respond extremely more in line with the values that we want to be living. I'm thinking about um, businesses that struggle with sales quotas, you know, obviously, or or promises that they've made, you know, so oftentimes the the struggle in business is between what's the promise you made to somebody and what's the realistic expectation of what you can deliver. And at least in the American business world, you always promise, you always promise as much as you can. 
And one of the hard things to do is to rein in that promise because the promise is part of the sales process. Either of you have any experience with that? I, I'm just thinking more like in work on a personal level. I'm thinking about like when I set my expectations for the week, my goals, mm-hmm. right? I want to reach this amount of people. Um, and it's just, you know, <laughs> everything that you plan doesn't exactly go. You expect everyone's going to be there and waiting for your call or, you know, open to your ideas. And then when you fall short of that, it's like, and you got to keep on going. And, and like, th- really the trick is just to keep on going, but you're beating yourself up. Like, bah, I wanted to close X amount of deals, talk to X amount of people, and it never works exactly as planned. So that, that, that also comes to mind. I've seen people walk out of sessions just feeling, looking like they feel worse than they actually, when they actually did, than they, than they actually came in. Really? And, and, uh, you know, Thinking about back pain before, you, you know, John Kabat-Zinn, who is the, you know, the leader of, of, of mindfulness in the West, started by taking on back patients who, you know, the Massachusetts University of Massachusetts back clinic had rejected. They just didn't think that they could get any better. And he didn't do anything. He taught them mindfulness skills. Their pain didn't change. It was the way that they responded to their pain. It's the way that, you know, we walk, we get through a, a, a tough business meeting or, or a, a tough week at work or a, a session that didn't go the way that we wanted it to. And then, you know, can we forgive ourselves for not saying the exact right thing and recognizing that we don't have control of so many of these factors that we're beating ourselves up for? It doesn't mean to give yourself a carte blanche and, you know, laissez-faire, but being really clear about what we are supposed to be doing and what we can be doing and how we conduct ourselves and how we can model that and how as parents also I'm thinking a lot about that, you know, like, you know, talk about like, you know, uh, work, you know, leaders in the boardroom and things like that. It's also we're in our homes, yeah. you know, we're, we're CEOs of our families, you know, co-CEOs uh, and, you know, thinking about how our kids are expecting things to happen so quickly and how they're, you know, are our kids able to handle failure because we so badly want them to be able to feel good all the time. And maybe that's just completely different pivot, but just something I was thinking of also in terms of uh, dealing with the miniote of our lives. So I think in terms of bringing it back to what Rav Soloveitchik was saying about suffering, right? And he says that's our atonement nowadays. That's how we kind of, when we talk about the sacrifices that we offer, right? There's no temple and thank God we're not living through times where, you know, the, the our Jewish history reminds us of, but... What we can do is talk about this discrepancy between what we thought we were going to have versus what actually happens and then our reaction to it. And I think that's where the sacrifice becomes sanctified to God, where if you can take that and I I think it's learning about the practices you're talking about and offering it in a wholesome way. I think what Jay mentioned before previously on previous episodes, make sure to check them all out, is korban, the word, the Hebrew word for sacrifice is to get closer. To bring yourself closer to. I mean, we need to get closer to these feelings. We need to get closer to these experiences and not distance ourselves from them. Because that's what's ultimately going to be bring us closer to our truer selves, to our higher power, to our purpose, which is what we're all seeking at work, with family, spirituality. We're all trying to be this unified and, and connecting with other people. But I'm saying to get closer to what's really true, what's really happening. And it's these frustrating feelings, these, difficulty, these difficulties that we, that we endure as part of the human condition. In Buddhism, that's dukkha. It's called suffering. And it says everyone's it's part of being human. Joey Rosen has a, also a great podcast. You might want to check it out. I don't know what it's called. but uh, And he goes through addiction, talking about how the human condition is 
prone or is, is lending itself to being addicted. It doesn't mean you're going to be addicted to, to hard drugs per se, but we all have behaviors that are going against the things that we necessarily want to be doing because part of our human condition is prone to these types of yisurin and suffering and these expectations. I just want to add in terms of also the sacrifice, if we follow this model of a sacrifice in terms of confronting our suffering, so I think that the model of a carbon gives us also maybe a channel in terms of when you bring it, you have to you have to enumerate what it is you're bringing it for, right? There's a it, it can become invalidated if your thoughts are not focused on what you're bringing and if it's not in the right place, right? You have to know its place, right? If you bring it in a different location, everything has its place. And when we're talking about our suffering, it's really it's about if you can speak, say out, especially if maybe um, if you had someone to talk to, right? Like, can we talk, right? If you can, if you can verbalize, right? We know that in Egypt, once the people were able to verbalize their pain, then that's when things started changing in our, in the book of Shemot and Exodus, right? When they cried out to God, once we can verbalize it, once we can locate the right spot and have the, our focus on the thoughts of what it is in front of us, then there's atonement. I think that serves us as a model. It's not kitchen sinking it. It's really just focusing on the task at hand. Wow, I love that. Yeah, and I just want to kind of wrap us up with just a couple of thoughts about um, sacrifice and then responding to this crisis. Number one is I think we would be remiss if we didn't use this moment to um, to honor the loss in, in Poway um, and to, to honor the memory of Lori Gilbert Kay, who I think had this, I mean, as every news article has been written, she had this neshama about her, this way about her of, of being there for people at exactly this moment when they hit that hindrance or when they hit that mini it sounded like she was just the person, um, to help them get through it. Um, and I'd also, it would be remiss not to mention the Rav of the Chabad temple, who I think set this beautiful example as he stood in front of the microphones and said, this isn't the moment where we give in to the darkness. This is the moment where we we show the light to the world. Um, And if we all could be that strong in those moments, whether it's when my daughter spills chicken soup at the table or when our boss gives us harsh criticism um, or when an employee gives me hard feedback, to instead of using that moment to, to appeal to the darkness, but to instead to, to use that moment as a light of, of, uh, to, to ourselves and to others. Um, and the last thought before we leave you for the day is I would encourage you all to check out Rav Thomas Rhett, because I think he says something in that same song called Life Changes, which is where he says, you make a plan and you hear God laughing. So for all of our plans and for all of our expectations, um, we don't know where this is all going. And I think for us to keep our minds and our wits about ourselves with the wisdom of the Rav, with the wisdom of John Kabat-Zinn, and with the wisdom of Thomas Rhett, I think we're all going to be in a better place. Thank you very much for joining us here on Mindful Work. Thank you, guys. The podcast. Thank you, Rabbi Dr. Benjamin Epstein. Congratulations on your new hot-selling Living in the Presence, a Jewish Mindfulness Guide for Everyday Life. Thank you, Rabbi Jason Rosen. Congratulations on your new promotion in the Israeli high-tech industry. And my name is Dan Cohen, CEO of Full Core Press Communications, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.